Five years ago to the day, the infamous Fire Festival was scheduled to go off in Great Exuma in the Bahamas. And if anybody who's seen the two documentaries knows, that didn't quite happen. David and I are going to go inside of the Fire Festival. We're going to talk a little bit about Billy McFarland, and we're going to talk a little bit about how this came to be and why it's so infamous to this very day. This is the Afterburn Fire Festival and the greatest event that never was. Come check this one out. I think you're really going to dig it. Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. This is uh this is gonna be a little bit different for Throttle Thursday because it is actually five years to the day where the infamous fire festival was set to go off in the Bahamas back in 2017. It was originally scheduled to take place April 28th through the 30th and then May 5th through the 7th in 2017, five years ago, and it was held, was going to be held on the island of Great Exuma. Spoiler alert, it never happened. Um, we have since been able to see all of the amazing documentaries that have come out about this. I've listened to many a podcast about this. I've seen many a news report about this. It was basically founded by, I guess we could call him a con artist, Billy McFarland and rapper Ja Rule. It was set to be this launch of their Fire app where you could go online, you could book celebrity talent to come to your own private gig. It was going to be this massive thing. It was going to disrupt this industry and then the shit show just became the stuff of social media legend. So I figured I, I wanted to have a discussion about this and there's so many different conversations we can have around this, around the psychology, around the fake it till you make it, around the millennial generation that got piled on for going to this festival. There's all different sorts of things. But I think what is most fascinating to me is this, this guy, Billy McFarland. He is, I think he's very intelligent, but he's also very manipulative too. So when the, when the documentaries came out in 2019, there was two of them. There was one on Netflix and one, off, one on Hulu, two very different takes on the same situation, although the bones of them were similar in that Fire Festival was just this disaster yeah. from go. Um, as you were kind of revisiting this, and I appreciate you taking the time to revisit some of this because it was in the past and we don't make a habit of going back and watching old documentaries and news reports. What was your initial take of what Billy was doing in the moment and how he got so deep into it, he couldn't call it off even if he tried? He, see, I think that's the problem. Everything that I've listened, and I've tried, I've tried to find out, see if I could get an answer to my question. But like my question is, what was his intention, like right? I, I and, don't think he woke up saying, I'm going to con a bunch of people out of money. Well, I don't know. You, oh, okay. I don't know. I'm not convinced. Not convinced? I'm not okay. convinced, but I'm not convinced either way. Sure. So 
He actually did something afterward that was a con. Oh, totally. Right? Yeah, when he was going through the... With the cards? Yes, when right? he was going through the, the... Actually, when he was going through the court proceedings of the actual fire Festival where he was being sued, he started another company that was sort of like this NYC VIP, and he was trying to sell these VIP experiences yeah. that didn't even exist. Right. Yeah, so right. that was a true con right. for sure. So, so that that really makes me... Le See, the fire Festival, fire Festival idea was a concept that I could actually see playing out. In other words, there was a way to actually make that work with what, what they wanted. What I, here's what I don't know. I don't know it was, did he actually have an intention to really actually make that thing work? And then he got to the point where it got so screwed up, he didn't know how to fix it. And, he, and instead of saying, I'm in trouble and asking for help, the whole thing just fell apart. Or was he selling a, was he coming up with a con the entire time, because I know what it's like to be conned. I, I was, I was, I had a con experience way, way back, long time ago when I was really young, um, and by a true con man, a guy. This guy went through life just conning people constantly. So I know what that's like. It's very enticing, right? They really get you to believe something that's a hundred percent false. I don't know about this guy. I mean, tell me what you think. What do you think his intention was? So I don't believe that he intended to go out and do people. I really believe that he is an entrepreneurial mind. He's a hustler. He seems to me to be very intelligent. And I think he just got so wrapped up in fulfilling what this was because the creditors were like beating down on his door. I, I, I heard that, you know, the loans he was getting, the, the, the fake uh, financials he was providing was based off the loans he was getting was based off of those fake financials. He was going through life, having to reinvent ways to make money to just keep these creditors at bay, just to be able to get that festival off the ground. Right. And he did it in a short amount of time. Like they were trying to pull this off in four months after they lost their initial Island because of just sheer ignorance, ignorance and stupidity. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. fact that they they were told they could use Norman's key as long as they didn't mention any reference to Pablo Escobar used this as right. a cocaine hub, you know, with Carlos later, right? But the first <laughs> thing they I did, that, that crack, that oh my God, me up. the first thing they did in that promotional video, in this promotional video, you want to talk about slick marketing. <laughs> said man. it was Pablo Escobar's island. Right. Yeah. Well, and then he's talking about how we own the island and that was not the case. Right. They were there using this island and that island is beautiful. But when they got all these media, you know, these media influencers, these beautiful models, they're showing and selling the dream, which I totally get. But I think Billy was just like this nerd who was probably rejected by every woman in high school he ever met. And here all of a sudden he's get to play, he gets to play, play on the field man. with yeah, the cool kids. Big, yeah, cool you know, kids. he's hanging out with Ja Rule. And to be honest with you, I don't give two shits about Ja Rule, like hip hop mogul. I, he's not up high, up high on the list. He's not in the, you yeah, know, the Jay-Z and Dre type. But, but it's, it's a, a name. name and you know who it is. So the idea behind what Billy was trying to create is actually genius. And you're starting to see this. I don't know if they've come out with another app that does this sort of thing, but it's very similar to what's happening nowadays with, you know, the app Cameo, where you can hire a celebrity to wish your mom a happy birthday and right. you can pay them money. And it just, it connects you directly directly to the artist. The idea behind the app was great. My interpretation of Billy was, was he, he didn't know when to say when, 
And if he would have canceled, he would have been so on the hook of money, none of it would ever would have happened. However, he needed to cancel it to give enough runway to get this event off the ground because we could be having a much different conversation had that happened. This could have been a luxury, you know, because Coachella's gotten pretty bougie too, yeah. but it could have been the luxury version of that. The problem was they made so many mistakes from the beginning and I think they sold everybody involved just a bag of shit when they didn't need to do that. And they knew well aware, they were well aware that they lost their original island and they had to move it to Great Exuma. They knew well ahead that it was the same weekend as the National Regatta. They knew that there wasn't going to be any place for these people coming down on these charter flights from Miami to stay. And yet, oh, we'll just right. give them all a bottle of champagne and feed them full of tequila for six or eight hours and they'll forget that they're going to be sleeping in FEMA tents. There were no toilets. There was no toilets. There's no infrastructure whatsoever right. in that area. It was basically Basically, it was an old abandoned development for a resort and it wasn't pretty. There was no beautiful beach. There was no place for the yacht. And, and anybody who said, Billy, we should not move forward with this was removed and fired. We don't need that positivity. Right. So I think in my mind, I'm thinking he's just trying to will himself through, which you gotta, you gotta admire a little bit. It depends on, see, this is where it comes back to the intention. Yeah. Like, because there are so many stories, there are so many great business stories that start off in the early in the early stages that look like a disaster waiting to happen, and the person's able to pull it together. And you know, the the thing is, is like at any moment the thing could have completely fallen apart. Hell, when I started my business, at any right. moment the thing You're could have fallen apart all bit. the time, Absolutely. all the time. All and the that, time. that probably gives you some juice. <laughs> it probably gives you a little juice. It does. Too. Well, yeah, but see, there's the intention part. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't intending to con people. I was intending to build a great company. So when I look at other people that have done really great, you know, like Elon Musk and Amazon and Richard Branson, like all these people, if you go back to the early days, there was a very, it was rocky, it was shaky. Like, is this going to fall apart? When Branson uh, built the airline, right? Sure. I mean, it was it was a it, yeah. was a, it was it was and that thing there was many times that thing could have just flipped sure. over and burned sure. crashed to the ground. So when I look at when I look at what this guy did with the fire festival, the initial the, the initial the initial uh, communication of what it was going to be sounded unbelievably amazing. But where the where the where I get caught up in questioning his intention is when it started to fall apart. And it started to fall apart really flat, fast. Like you said, he started firing people, right? Same as Adam Newman with with, with, with we, WeWork. Yeah, WeWork, yeah. Right? They started letting people, anybody that was a naysayer. Now, I get, I get, There's it's, this is a fine line that you yeah. walk. You need people that will keep going even when it looks Visionary. like it's going to fall apart, right? But to think that everything's going to come together with no plan, for it to come together, yeah. there's no toilets, there's no tents, they're on the wrong island. Like, it's it's turning into a disaster, and nobody is saying, here's the plan to get around these problems. That's where I question the intention. Yeah. Because like, he kept going with it, and it was obvious it couldn't work. It kept going. They kept counting it down, and it was really brilliant from a social media standpoint about how they paid these, you know, these influencers to put out the orange tile, Hashtag Firefest, getting all these people hyped right. up. They sold out. It's unheard of to sell out 95% of your tickets in the first 48 hours with a brand new, never been proven festival before. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast yesterday in preparation for this, and I don't know the name of it 
off the top of my head, but they were talking about some of the other some of the other festivals. And one that they talked about was the Warped Tour. And for anybody who knows about the Warped Tour, that's been going on for 20 right. plus years. That has never actually turned a profit from that side of things because they pay so much money out to the performers and the talent. They, they're just happy to break even. As a promoter, to be able to take any money out of this festival, it was never really going to happen. And they do say it takes about four or five years to get a footing to become a Coachella, you know, to become a Burning Man, if you will, like these right, other sorts of festivals right. that are all over there. And there's tons of these Burning things. Burning Man took 20 years. But it's fascinating because they actually thought that they were going to be able to pull this off even when they knew people were going to be sleeping in soaked ass wet FEMA tents that were held over from Hurricane right. Matthew. And there weren't enough. There were not enough, and they were even told as much. And the guy who said, you cannot have 2,000 people in this space that only holds 500. We need to bring in the cruise ship. Oh, we're not going to do the cruise ship. Oh, well, that completely sent that guy packing because they said, you know, you, you're going against our vision. This is how it has to be. We need to move forward with it, and you need to leave. And then... Well, in, the do- in that first documentary, when the people got off the plane, they're walking around and they're going, this is it. Yes. And they're going, where is the, fu- where's where the fire festival? This is the fire festival, right? Yes. <laughs> and you could see, you could see like the dissonance in their, in their face. Like, wait a minute. They, I can't, this can't be this. This is not Something the luxury is, I signed exactly. up for. This is not the luxury. Exactly. So it had, shows you how much they bought into it. Oh, it totally did. And and then that brings up the conversation around, you know, who is most culpable in this? Do we blame the social media influencers who were paid up to $275,000 to put a post out there because people were actually swayed by it. I'm not swayed by what supermodels are doing or I'm not, not swayed all. by celebrity. That's just me. I mean, I no 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 disrespect nonsense. towards them but i don't get i don't get influenced right. by that right. so there were people that wanted to hold them hold them accountable for them putting their name attached Is that to right? this it was because apparently and this was a thing back then you needed to put hashtag ad in your post to let people know that you were being paid to put it out there and you know uh one of the jenners she was paid upwards of $275,000 i believe to just put out one post about this and that that's she has a huge social right. media following and it did move the needle for some people. And didn't she just put up the square? Oh, it was, that's what all that's it was. That's all it was. It was just a square with hashtag fire festival. Right. And there were like, I think they they had this huge social media blitz and it was really quite genius to create this buzz, which is why they sold out the majority of their tickets. But here's something interesting. They, the people who purchased these early bird tickets, these right out of the gate, $500 tickets. Is that how much they were? 500, 500 bucks? bucks out of the gate got them. And this is where too good. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. We're talking charter flight from Miami with, um, you know, like luxury tent accommodations, food and drink for $500 for four days in the Bahamas. Like I get, you can go on these cruise ships and pay like $500 and get all the food you can eat and you got to pay for your drinks usually, but you get these nice accommodations. It sounds a little fishy to me, but when you actually see that and you start to see who they were I don't want to say praying, but that's kind of what it was. They were hitting this generation. Like I'm too old to really get hyped up about this thing because a I'm not a festival goer. Goer, it's it's too loud, it's too noisy. I right. I've got a bedtime. You're not 22 anymore. I'm not 22, but it was really preying on those people, which fascinated me. But it did sound like it was too good to be true. It did, and it was. It did, and it, it did. was. The the thing is, is that's where that's where a person has to say to themselves, this math doesn't add up. Right. Right. There's something about, and that would, 
now in my in my age now that would cause me to look into it right yes but i remember being a young guy and going the math doesn't add up on this sure. but wanting to believe that it was so true right and yeah, then you, getting completely conned yeah about something um but but you're right like to be, to believe that is to be completely to completely ignorant of what what, what these things actually cost to do to have some yeah. idea but look at the people that they preyed on look at how young they were, yes, they, were. they have no freaking idea what yeah. these things cost yeah. right they have no idea what it would cost to put something like that on no and they've and they've already invested money and this is the interesting how much thing. do you remember how much they said they pulled out of that out of those sales how much money did how much did they totally sell at by at the 500 or whatever I the price was i can't remember because then tickets started to go up and they were upwards <clears> of you know some people were on payment plans they were playing like $1,500 for the ticket. It still included the charter flight from Miami, but these people still had to get from LA, Seattle, wherever to get right, to Miami right, to fly. Right. I don't know exactly how much money was pulled, but it was enough for Billy to be able to keep paying people minimum payments to be able to keep this festival on the rails, sort of. Um, but it was in the millions of dollars. And then when he ran out of money and there was no other opportunity for them to get money, he came out with the fire band. And the fire band was now going to be this wristband that you wore that was a cashless system, we expect you to put on between $3,000 on this band for the weekend because right. so it's a cashless event. That helped to go pay for the setup, the lighting rigs, the food, whatever it might be. So there was all these things that kept adding up, kept going back to people. And at some point, you got to say, let's see, I've already invested $500. I put another $500 on my band. I've already got my ticket booked to Miami. At this point, I'm just going to go. And many people did just say... Yeah. I'm already invested. I'm not going to cut my losses. I'm going to go. And it was really that fear of missing out, that FOMO that most of these people ended Absolutely. up going there. How many actually showed up on the island? There were, so there were supposedly, I don't know the exact number and I'll see if I can pull it up here shortly, but I know that they were, there was planes that were coming in full of festival goers. There were hundreds and hundreds of people that were there. And some people immediately realized this was not, and they got out of there as quickly as they could before Bahama, but the Bahama, the Bahamian government shut down the airport right. because they just didn't, they could, didn't want anybody else there. There was no room for them. There's nowhere to put these there people. There was nowhere to put them because the National Regatta had all the, all the hotels were sold out. Yeah. All the resorts were sold out. There was no place for these people. And I can't imagine the fear that would go into that because they likened it to a cross between the, the uh, Lord of the Flies <laughs> and the Hunger Games <laughs> because it was just like yeah. this mad dash to get whatever you could get. And they were not helping out at all. Like just throwing their luggage out there and grab your bag and find a tent and grab a mattress and oh here's another bottle of tequila to keep you well lubed up as you get ready for this and this was when the festival was shut down there was the right. bands were canceling it wasn't going to happen but it'll be interesting to see exactly how many people were there but it's also interesting to see the varying accounts of people who were there i listened to another podcast yesterday where they interviewed four different people and each one of those four different people had very different experiences there was one guy who had the time of his free freaking life. He adjusted his expectations. He's like, you know what? I'm down here. It cost me 500 bucks. I'm in the Bahamas. I'm hanging out with people. They're giving me booze. So it sucks. I have to sleep on the ground in the beach, whatever. I'm just going to make the most of it. This guy, Mitch, you are a saint. He friggin' was like, you know what? I'm going to just live my life. This <laughs> Go is fine. Mitch. And yeah, and then you've got other people who are like, you know, this is absolutely ridiculous. This food was awful. This vegan option was not right. This pillow, there was no pillow, like all these sorts of things. So 
I think what, what I found fascinating was people wanted to pile on and generationally shame the millennials for their stupidity right. and being duped. I thought that by was this. terrible. I don't yeah. like it when we shame across no, generations no. because I grew up, I'm a Gen Xer, right? So that in itself is considered the slacker generation. I don't think we are Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times. I think we. Every generation, the one before you looks down on the generation. Every time. Every, every freaking time. time. I found myself All through doing history. It. And I got sucked into this back in 2017 when my daughter showed me the picture of the viral cheese sandwich on social media. And I was like, how could somebody be so stupid to sign up for a luxury event? I mean, you must be out of your mind. But the truth is, is that I got sucked into it because that was the narrative going on at the time. And in reality, it wasn't the millennials who were to blame for this. It was this guy and his vision and trying to see it through the totally con but it's the generational shaming and it's the wealth shaming oh look at the poor look at the poor little white kids who are stuck down in the bahamas oh they should have had more money taken for them they you know and you hear these you start yeah. to read the comments people were nasty oh my people god it was really nasty. nasty and i just don't i just don't understand that these are this is someone's you know daughter someone's son this is is someone who is just a human being when you start piling on and saying oh this is serves you right for going and paying five hundred dollars to go to some stupid concert i would never pay that amount i listen right. to my music on the radio whatever it might be it just it that's the angle that i thought was most fascinating was trying to pile on the millennials for making silly mistakes even though they were just looking to have a good time and there's nothing wrong with having a good time but also the shaming across you know the the wealth shaming and the generational shaming just blew my mind so what happened to this guy so he's actually in currently serving a six-year sentence in a correctional facility. I believe he is in Ohio. He is scheduled to be out in 2023, which is yeah. not very much longer. About 18 months, I believe, he's able to come out. But what's fascinating about Billy is, is he's in for wire fraud. So he got six years. It could have been up to 20, but the judge was fairly lenient. But in his time in the correctional facility, he's been in solitary confinement multiple times. And there was one report I read that he was, in solitary for six months. Why? He decided in his infinite wisdom that he was going to record a podcast from prison and get it out to the masses. And they saw that and figured that this was not something that a prisoner should be doing. We do not run this like an entertainment company. This is not fire media here. Okay. You can't do that. And they put him in solitary. So I can't imagine being in solitary confinement for a day, let alone for six months. Right. And he's done it a couple of different times. The first time I think he went in because he had a USB stick somehow on his person. Somehow he so he's USB still kind of hustling behind the scenes. But one of the um, one of the issues that goes on with his with his incarceration and one of what he he can no longer run a company like he can no longer be the face of a company he's banned from that he's banned from that the sec anybody who has anything to do with a company he cannot be the forward face of it gotcha. and i think if they find out he's invested investing in a company there'll probably be some issues there as well but he was paid $250,000 for the rights to his life story for the fire documentary on Netflix. Wow. So he was paid a quarter of a million dollars to be able to tell that story. And there's still millions missing from all the money that he was taking from these people. And these people have not been made whole. Now, if you charge it on a credit card, like let's say Amex, Amex paid out those people. They, you know, chargebacks, they paid yeah. them back. They were made whole. Yeah. But if you paid with a debit card, 
you're out of luck. So did the court take his 250 grand? I, I'm not exactly sure what happened with that. I think because of the, the garnishing, yeah. you know, I'm sure they took that and they started putting it into some sort of a, a relief fund for these people. But what, what, what I was really interested in was seeing all of the people that he duped on the island, all of the Bahamians who put the food, who put the work in and never got paid a single right. dime. Like, I'm convinced. He fucked a lot of people. I'll tell you, if he didn't get off that island when he did, I don't think we'd ever find Billy McFarland. Right, he right. wouldn't be alive. They would have ripped him limb from limb. I mean, they, they were so angry. Hundreds of workers putting in hours and hours yep. in this hot sun, and they got nothing out of it. One woman, Marianne Roll, who runs the restaurant there, she spent up her, and she was using her life savings to pay her employees, yeah. waiting on this money to come from Billy, because she was the only one that was feeding them all the drinks, all the food, all these things. Not just the concert goers who showed up, but the workers as well. But but they did start a GoFundMe page, and up as of recently, that GoFundMe page is still up, and it's pulled in about two hundred and forty thousand dollars. Is that right? So she made herself whole, and she donated the rest to, you know, she donated it to the, you know, like some sort of charity in the in the Bahamas, which I think is really fascinating. But what? Well, that's what, great. I mean, what that's... blows me away is, is that this guy, Billy McFarland. Probably, and we'll never know. I mean, I don't know if he'll ever come out and say, yeah, the whole idea was a con from Go. There's something in me that that believes that he did have good intentions and he wanted to be a player in an industry he knew nothing about. And he tried to bring in really smart people to help him, but when they helped him to a point where it wasn't satisfying his vision, yeah. he let them go and brought somebody else in on a budget. They actually went from having $6 million for catering budget, they fired the caterer when the caterer said there's no way in hell they're going to be able to satisfy this, and they brought in another caterer for a million dollars and that's where you get like this really poor, not at all luxury food <laughs> yeah. coming your way. I thought it was interesting, at least in the documentary, um, that there were so many people that kept going till the end. Yeah. Right. When they knew like people were dropping like flies. Yeah. You could see that there was no plan and people kept going to the end. They kept flying there. They kept getting there. Yeah. And, and, and the working people, people who were working. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like, it's, here's the fascinating part. You're being led to the cliff. You know, you're going to the cliff. You know that there's no bridge at the cliff and you walk off the cliff no. anyway. That part I have, it's like, it's interesting when a person gets conned that, that they go that far. Yeah. It's like, there's something in their mind that does not want to believe that they actually made a, that they were conned. And that is, that, do you think how much of that has to do with the lack mindset around money? And I've already invested so much. I should just go to the edge of the cliff and drop. Jump well, I off. think that's part of it. I think the idea there's, there's this, there's this interesting thing that a person wants to be right. And they don't where you, here's a, here's an interesting story. Here's where I kind of really got the idea of just how upset people can get about this. I've listened to several magicians Sure. Because I've always had this fascination with magic. But I've listened to several mag magicians talk about this very interesting experience that they have sometimes. If they, if they do a trick on somebody that is not aware that they're about to be, they're about to see a trick, there's many, there's many uh, magicians that have actually had, gotten in a physical confrontation. People get extraordinarily angry. They get very triggered. And it's not like you're making fun of them or anything. It's the fact that they're tricked. 
that they can't figure out what you did. And that's frustrating. There's a, there is a very angry human response that comes from that, right? Sure. And I remember hearing that, and I would think to myself, why would somebody get so angry? Like, let's say you just met somebody in the street, you did a card trick. They didn't realize you were going to do a trick. You do a trick. They feel duped, right? So there's something internal that happens with a lot of people that way. And I think that it, ex- it exposes their weakness about themselves and they get very, they get angry to the point of some people get violent. Yeah, I think I have, I have a feeling it. a lot of that because I've seen that happen and play out in front of me before. And I, I would believe that it has to do with looking foolish. I have a reaction. Absolutely. When something happens and people make me look foolish, I get angry, red face, and I want to, like, fight. You know what I mean? I'm not a fighter, but it's like one of those things where I'm so angry, I I lash out. I want to lash out. So I could see how that, but it's it's interesting because with a magician, you know what you're getting. Like, adjust your expectations. They're not, they're doing it for entertainment. It's pure I don't think they have any idea that they're they're about to have an experience experience that makes them look foolish because it doesn't make them look foolish. Yeah. Right. But in their mind, they're internalizing it. Like you just made me look like a fucking idiot in front of all these people. And, And they're not. They're not at all. They're not. I remember when David Blaine first came out, what was it? Street magic or whatever. Right. Yeah. There were people that got pissed off at him. Wow. You know, he would do these amazing tricks on the street and some people would get just unbelievably angry and they had to change their approach to let people realize, like, you want to see something cool, I'm going to do a trick. I'm going to, you want to see a really cool card trick? So he was prepping them to know that they're about to be, he's going to dupe them, yeah, right? Sure. But it's not to make them look foolish. But I think you're right, T. Yeah. I think pe- there's certain people have a very strong reaction to that. And it's, it's the fact that they have that in themselves and they know consciously, they're looking at the math, this isn't right. But they emotionally hold on to it because they don't want to be. In, they don't want to look like an idiot. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I think you're right, and I think you're right. And just to circle back, there were about 500 people who actually made it to Great Exuma for this event. Yeah. So there were 500. There was supposed to be 2,000. Most people. Anybody who was on Twitter or Instagram at the time, they knew they weren't going to jump on that plane. So getting back to Billy and just as we wind this piece down here, you know, the the word uh, sociopath comes up a lot, right? Uh, With the definition of what a sociopath is, do we believe that Billy had us, even though we don't know him, right? Was he or is he a sociopath? Because my opinion would be he he definitely narcissist. He definitely is a narcissist for sure because he was actually running another con while he was going through litigation for this one. Yes. So he was just bouncing to the next thing, trying to stay afloat. Right. Right. And he's probably a brilliant guy on top of it. Yeah. But he doesn't have any boundary in his mind as to where to stop. Yeah. He doesn't know he there's a well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know that. I don't know that that, that yeah, he has an idea of what, what's will right or wrong in his mind. Um, but he obviously, he does not seem to have an awareness of what too far is far or what far is too far, that, yep. that type of thing. But, but again, that's why I go back to the intention thing, because every great entrepreneur, every great person that's, that has expanded human awareness, consciousness, reality, whatever, has always been willing to go farther than anybody else. Um, but not too far, right? Sure. So there's a, so there that's an unknown place. There is no I know what too far is. You don't know too far until you've gone too far, 
right? Yeah. And then you got to dial it back a little bit. But apparently, he, there was this no guy's never back. learned that. Le- there is no. none because he's one gone from one to another, and then he's done several things in prison that have landed his ass in solitary. So he's not yeah. learning. No, he's not. So there is probably sociopathic, narcissistic. <laughs> and I do not think this is the last time him. we'll hear from him. I think when he gets you out, know something's, that go, it's not the last something's time. going to come out. What do you think? He's going to come out and go work for Wendy's, yeah, this guy? Right. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> I mean, he he does have uh, an entrepreneurial spirit in him. So who knows what he's going to do and how he's going to get around it. But it'll be fascinating to see as it plays out. Because, we should do an over under on how fast this guy lands back in prison. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll be... I'll I, bet you it's within two years. <laughs> I would, I'll bet I'd you probably, it's within two years. Okay, if we're sitting that at the over-under, I'm going to say... I'm going to give him a little bit more of a runway there. Gonna I'm going to go a little bit runway. more. I'm going to go over the two years, but I have a feeling he will definitely end up back there because if he's not learning... That's a surefire sign that the system isn't working for him. Like there's no sort of rehabilitation happening behind those walls. And yeah, it'll be, it'll be just fascinating to see, but I would encourage everybody to go on the fifth anniversary. And especially after what we learned from. uh, Inventing Anna. No, 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 no. Our, our last podcast guest. Oh yeah, from Quan. From Quan, yeah, exactly. Quan oh, yeah, Wen. sure, sure. When we heard, when we <laughs> learned that there's basically nothing set up for these people to win right. outside. outside, they're almost forced back into criminal yeah. activity. And when you don't have a problem being a criminal to begin with, it's true. I'm saying two years. <laughs> yeah. No, I brought up Inventing Anna because I feel like we've been on this con run, and I'm just fascinated by these people and yeah. how they're able to execute yeah. these Yeah, and things. we still have to do Adam Newman. That's yes, coming. Yes, we still. We'll definitely, we'll definitely be talking about WeWork and Adam Newman because there's some really good stuff. Because I'm with currently we watching We Crashed, yeah. which isn't over yet, yes. right? It's dropping every Friday. Maybe when that baby's done, we'll get in here and talk a little bit about that because right. I think the, the, psych, the human psychology behind it is fascinating. But what I was going to say is be sure to go on this fifth anniversary of the Fire Festival, the, the, the greatest music event that never was make sure you go watch the two documentaries one on netflix called fire and then one on hulu called fire fraud they're both very they both tell the story but they tell them in two very different ways and i think you would be remiss if you didn't at least watch it and try to stay away from the generational shaming you know the oh, millennials Jesus. you know whatever it's it just drives just me crazy nonsense. but it's good stuff but uh all right david this was fun thank you you bet Well, there you have it, Fire Festival. This is the five-year anniversary since that shit show went down, and it was quite crazy. I mean, props to those people who went down there and still tried to make the most of it. I mean, it was a brilliant idea, but it just wasn't executed well. And for being people like we are who run events ourselves, it just really never had a chance. But we'd like to hear what you think about this. I know it's probably a little niche that we're talking about this five years later, but it's just fascinating when you start to think about who these people are and who these people were and how so many people really got conned out of uh, this luxury experience they've expected. So do us a favor, leave us a comment down below. Would you have gone to a fire festival? Would you go to one if they had one coming up this summer? Tell us a little bit about that. Be sure and ring that bell for more content like this. And we hope you enjoyed this full throttle Thursday. We'll see you on the next Successful Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.